It is time for midday. It's 1130 here at KRBN on the 12th of November. Thanks for making us a part of your day, wherever you may be listening. Certainly glad to be a part of it. Going to be a busy one at that. So let's get a preview of what is to come. And Susan Littlefield will give us just that. Here's what's happening on the midday from the farm team. Alex will kick everything off at 1219 as Nebraska Extension has developed an entrepreneurial curriculum for middle school youth. Then at 1245, Alex will step back in to talk with Gothenburg FFA as they've had the opportunity to be part of the National FFA course this year, even though the convention had its virtual feel. And speaking of virtuals, at 117, I'll be speaking with David Brunts. He is chairman of the Nebraska Corn Board as he talks about participating in the U.S. Meat Export Federation's virtual event this week. That's a look at the midday from the farm team. Thank you very much, Susan. Look forward to hearing from those individuals and the angler journey continuing coming up at 1219. How about sports? Today we're talking about a big major in November, something that uh, I don't think has ever happened. Jason stepping in for sports. Give us a preview. Hey, thanks, Tyler. The Masters is underway. Of course, this is the first time this event has been played this time of year. We'll tell you more about that. UNK football team, they'll hit the road tomorrow to head up to Rapid City. And on Saturday, they will take on South Dakota Mines. Just the third time these two programs have ever met in football. Of course, we'll have the game for you Saturday afternoon over on 93.1 The River and 106.9 FM. And yesterday was a big day for Nebraska volleyball on the recruiting front. What a haul for head coach John Cook as Nebraska was able to snag the top three rated players in the country. As you might expect, they have the top recruiting class in the land. All of that is just ahead next hour. Not only did they get terrific players from across the country, but UNK also got some terrific players here in Nebraska as well. So exciting news of Nebraska kids staying and going to play here in the States. And UNK as well got some local talent. By the way, speaking of the Masters, right now Lee Westwood is leading four under through eight holes. Paul Casey is three under as is Rafael Cabrera-Belo. He is a three-under through four holes. Things got pushed back about three hours because of the weather. That's going to happen, I suppose, when you're playing golf in November, even in Augusta, Georgia. But right now, things are just getting underway. Lee Westwood again leading with four-under. How about, uh, let's turn over to Bob Broken and the business report. Stocks, are they're kind of going up and down right now. And uh, is it due to COVID? Yeah, I don't know if it's due to COVID, but I'm sure that it's related to it. Uh, Things are kind of down right now, stocks. um, You could call them mixed uh, in trading amid worries about worsening uh, COVID counts Mm -hmm. across the country. The S&P 500 down slightly after climbing at least eight-tenths of a percent in six of the last eight days. The uh, Dow Jones also moved lower while the Nasdaq rose. Many analysts along Wall Street are still optimistic the market can climb higher and set more records of optimism a vaccine may be coming for COVID-19. Also, the number of people seeking unemployment benefits fell last week to 709,000, the fourth straight drop and a sign that the uh, job market is slowly healing. And uh, something a little off the beaten track Uh, Mutual of Omaha has unveiled its new corporate logo featuring the image of a lion. Uh, In July, Mutual announced the removal of Native American imagery from its corporate logo. So when you go by that building in Omaha, you'll uh, see something a little bit different now. Okay, thank you very much. Look forward to seeing that coming up next. 
It's 11.44 here at KRVN, which means it's time to take a look at regional ag weather, which is brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Paul Perkins has stepped in, and hey, Paul, it's a little bit chilly. Uh... <laughs> Here on this 12th day of November. Yes, uh, not warming up a whole lot across the area. A lot of us with still temperatures in the low to mid 30s in ahead, uh, in ahead of this cold front, mm-hmm. though we are seeing temperatures in the 40s to around 50 from southeast Nebraska into northern Kansas, but still temperatures in the uh, upper teens in northeast or make that the upper 20s into north northern areas of Nebraska. Now, unfortunately, with these cooler temperatures, we're also getting some of these gusty winds. Exactly. We're going to see some uh, breezy northwest winds today in behind this front, but winds will be dying down tonight as some high pressure builds in, but also some cloud cover across the area. The thickest of the cloud cover from northeast Nebraska into south central and southwest Nebraska as this front continues to move out towards the southeast, but we will see improving amounts of sunshine as the day goes on here. Well, that's good to know, Uh, but still right now, again, mostly 20s and 30s across much of the area. Yeah, staying on the chilly side with this cold air moving in behind the passage of this cold front, and today going to be our actual coldest day of the next seven days so it does get better after this temperatures 15 degrees colder than normal for today winds breezy at times with some occasional gusts out of the northwest at 25 to 30 high pressure does move overhead for tonight to decrease the winds to a light level and temperatures will drop tonight into the teens and the 20s starting tomorrow a building ridge of high pressure leading to a warm trend with dry weather that lasts through much of next week south winds increase for tomorrow just ahead of strong low pressure that tracks across the northern U.S. That will keep the main storm track to our north. Temperatures tomorrow return to seasonal levels. A warm front results in a slight warmer than usual day on Saturday then behind a cold front on Sunday our temperatures cool slightly before another warm up on Monday so just a little bit of a dip in those temperatures on Sunday but today by far the coldest day of the next seven days as that ridge of high pressure begins to build east across the plains temperatures will be milder than normal by the middle part of next week daytime highs by Wednesday expected to warm into the 60s to near 70 in the long term forecast warmer than normal temperatures for are very likely to continue for nebraska and kansas tuesday through the day before thanksgiving on november 25th there is a change in the precipitation outlook instead of a drier outlook mostly near normal precipitation now in the forecast for tuesday through the 25th for nebraska and kansas in the regional drought monitor all of nebraska continues to see some level of dryness north central nebraska the least dry with abnormally dry conditions. Most of Nebraska, moderate to severe drought right now. Nearly all of the panhandle continues to be in extreme drought. Kansas continues to be at 17% drought-free. The counties along the Oklahoma border experiencing no dryness concerns. Most of Kansas, abnormally dry to a moderate drought. Kansas counties along the Colorado border continue to experience severe to extreme drought, and the state of Colorado continues to be very dry, 74% of Colorado in level 3 to level 4 or extreme to exceptional drought. Key weather factors affecting the markets include uncertainty about rain chances in Brazil's major crop areas and limited rain in central Argentina. Here in the U.S. this weekend and early next week, rain and snow will develop from the Midwest into the Northeast U.S. Light to locally moderate amounts are in store for the Eastern Midwest, while the Western Midwest will be mainly dry. The Southern Plains, a dry pattern in the next seven days, will continue to be unfavorable for winter wheat. Kansas crop conditions, notably worse than a year ago, at 31% good to excellent. That compares with 51% good to excellent 
on the wheat crop in Kansas the same time last year. Brazil crop areas will have moderate to heavy rain through the next week. This will be closely watched for a crop moisture benefit. Only scattered light amounts have been seen this far so far this week. Argentina crop areas expect periods of only light rain the rest of the week. The presence of La Nina will result in chances for below average rainfall this growing season. Corn and soybean production estimates in central Argentina already lower in anticipation of that dryness. I know it's, uh, it's two weeks away exactly from today, uh, but our Thanksgiving forecast, do we have any idea what that may look like? Right now, it's looking pretty good if this trend of above-normal temperatures continues and maybe a slight increase in precipitation chances, but with it being warmer, maybe more liquid than any kind of snow to worry about. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> I, again, two weeks away, a lot can change. As exactly. We, know, we, will have, we will have that 6 to 10 and 8 to 14 day outlook <laughs> for Thanksgiving tomorrow. So we'll, uh, we'll be able to tell you then. All right. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, for more instant weather, where can they find that at? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you very much. The Angler Entrepreneurship Journey, celebrating success, embracing failure, and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you. When I think about entrepreneurship, the first thing that comes to mind for me is a problem solver. Thanks so much for joining. Taylor Wickham and Holly Alley are both Nebraska Extension assistants who focus on entrepreneurship. Taylor is an alum of the Angler program. So when I was a senior in high school, we were doing some looking for scholarships and stuff, and my mom stumbled upon this entrepreneurship scholarship. She's like, hey, like you come from a long line of entrepreneurs, like your grandpa had his own business, your dad has his own. And then like years down the road, my husband and I own our own. So we're kind of just like stepping in, you know, the footsteps of our families. I then took that journey and the people that I met and that I networked with. And that's kind of how I got my job in extension. So it's kind of fun to see where I was and how that all makes a connection. And Holly has also embraced the entrepreneurial lifestyle. So I got involved with youth entrepreneurship six years ago when Nebraska Extension kind of restructured and formed all these different issue teams that centered around different topics that were very important to Nebraska and rural America. So I decided to join this particular issue team. I didn't know a lot about entrepreneurship, especially youth entrepreneurship. I didn't know exactly what all that was going to take, but it sounded like a fun challenge. And I think uh, starting out, it was it was a little intimidating for me to join this because I couldn't bring much to the table. I didn't have a lot of expertise in entrepreneurship, but it it was a great learning experience. I learned right away what all is involved in entrepreneurship, the basics of it, and as we'll talk later, forming that entrepreneurial mindset that I was able to form myself and learn how to become an entrepreneur and an, and an innovator and problem solver myself, even though I don't actually have the traditional entrepreneurship of having my own business. When Taylor and Holly combined their experience, they were able to develop an entrepreneurial curriculum with Nebraska Extension. It's called Inventure Day, and it's for all students in sixth through eighth grade. Yeah, so Inventure Day was one of the very first curriculums that our issue team focused on and created. And this particular program is aimed toward middle school aged youth, grades sixth through eighth grade. And what it is, is it's a field day out of school field day that is created that they actually get to work with local entrepreneurs within their community. And they have a goal of creating what we call a, a widget that they're given and they create a product that solves a problem and then create a business around that product that, that they created. 
Taylor says that Inventure Day can be held in the classroom as a summer program, a virtual program, or really anyway. Ultimately, it's a program that's designed to develop practical skills. This year, in early March, we had an event in Sydney, Nebraska. They work through these factory stations when they're in Inventor Day, and they learn about branding and marketing and target markets and how to just create pretty much a business centered around this product that they develop. And so this youth found out how to do all of those things through Inventor Day and then created a fishing supply company. So he like makes lures and T-shirts and things like that and, and sold them and actually brought in a profit from what we heard. So it's just cool to hear those stories about like how they learn from us and then they actually take it. And so it's not just something to make them, to give them something to do during the school day, but that they can actually apply and keep learning on their own. If you'd like to host an Adventure Day with your youth, all you need to do is search Adventure Day. And you can learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln by visiting angler.unl.edu. Thanks so much for joining. Until next time, I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Thanks, Tyler. Well, the Nebraska Volleyball team will hold a red-white scrimmage tonight at the Devaney Center. First service scheduled for 6.30. Now, the scrimmage is closed to media and the public, but it will be streamed live at Huskers.com, also on Twitter and on Facebook. Speaking of the Huskers, head coach John Cook announced a huge signing class yesterday. That Nebraska class is ranked number one by PrepVolleyball.com, and all six signees are ranked in the top 70 nationally by the site. Stat class includes five of the top 16, four of the top 10, and all of the top three. Nebraska is the only school that it was expected to sign more than two top 16 recruits this signing period. Class also includes three Nebraska natives, something that head coach John Cook is very happy about. Well, the UNK football team heads west to Rapid City to take on South Dakota Mines on Saturday. And head coach Josh Lynn talks about how this game came about with Hard Rockers' new coach, Charlie Floor. It was a deal where that, that one weekend, that one Friday night, we got on the phone and and he was on the phone as well, and it just kind of we just kind of crossed paths. And uh, you know, the big thing is he needed a home game, and we were able to travel on this date. And, you know, with the two home games that we got, we felt like we could travel one more time to make it a two and two uh, home and away schedule. UNK has played South Dakota Mines just two times in school history. Kickoff on Saturday is set for two Central. We will bring you that game on ninety three point one The River and one hundred six point nine FM in Kearney. Nebraska men's basketball coach Fred Hoiberg signed a couple of players yesterday. They included Kisei Taminangwa. Taminangwa is a six foot two, 176 pound guard. He's a sophomore at Ranger Texas College, where he hopes to start his season with them in January. He's considered to be one of the top shooters in junior college basketball. He finished in the top 20 nationally in both three-point percentage and three-pointers per game last year. Huskers also pulled in 6'9 forward William Breedenbach, who's ranked as a 53rd best recruit in the country by ESPN. Now, five-star guard Bryce McGowan, who the Huskers have a chance at, says he will announce his commitment tomorrow night and sign his letter of intent immediately. And 62-year-old Larry Mize was co-leading the Masters very early on in the opening round. Mize was in the front at 200 par through four holes. The 87 champion started the day with a bogey on the first hole, then birdied the next three. Play was delayed earlier this morning due to rain and thunderstorms in that area. That is a look at sports. For more, you can find it anytime at krfagn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. It's Keith.
Big Lexington Day, and this year the giving campaign has gotten even bigger with the addition of partner campaigns with neighboring communities. Give Big Elwood, Give Big Cozad, and Give Big Overton will be conducting their own campaigns through Give Big Lexington. Elwood Area Foundation Executive Director Melissa Vinzant says today's event is about providing opportunities for Elwood. This is an opportunity for our smaller um, groups to have bigger impact. Um, so, for example, the um, teammates is accepting donations. Um, the Elwood Area Foundation itself is accepting donations, and we'll use those to help give out community grants for community projects that might be coming up, um, just different things like that. Vincent says they are encouraging online giving this year because of the COVID-19 pandemic, but the foundation office in Elwood will be open for those who want to donate that way. Months after announcing it would abandon its longtime Indian Chief head corporate logo, Mutual of Omaha has unveiled a new logo depicting an African lion. The Omaha, Nebraska-based company announced the new logo on Thursday. It replaces the depiction of a Native American chief that had been synonymous with the company for 70 years. The company announced its plans for a change in July as corporations and sports teams around the country have faced increasing pressure to dump nicknames and depictions that reference American Indians amid a nationwide movement calling for racial justice. Nebraska reported 2,209 new virus cases and one new death Wednesday, and the number of people hospitalized with the virus set another new record at 885. The surge in cases has significantly increased demand for testing at sites run by the state's main testing service, Test Nebraska. The wait to get a test increased to 48 hours this week at most sites in Omaha and Lincoln. State officials say they have added testing capacity in those cities. The state continues to have the sixth highest rate of infection, and over the past week, one person in every 137 people in Nebraska was diagnosed with COVID-19. North Platte police responded to the 200th block of West 1st on a report of stabbing at 3.23 a.m. Upon arrival, officers located the victim, identified as 20-year-old Bryce Wood. Officers also made contact with 19-year-old Harley Stadoff, who was also on scene. Officers observed injuries on Wood, consistent with being stabbed and immediately provided first aid. North Platte Fire and Rescue arrived and began treating Wood. Wood was transported to... Great Plains Health by ambulance and later died from his injuries. Officers recovered a knife at the scene and determined there was probable cause to arrest Sadoff. Sadoff was placed under arrest and incarcerated at the Lincoln County Detention for second-degree murder and use of a weapon to commit a felony. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons. Despite hosting a virtual National FFA Convention and Expo, one Nebraska FFA member was still excited about being a part of the National FFA Chorus. And today we're joined by Seth Dopp. He's a member of the Gothenburg FFA. He's also a senior in high school. Seth, thanks so much for being with us today. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. So, Seth, you had the opportunity to be a part of the National FFA Chorus, even though this convention was held virtually. Uh, tell us a little bit about this experience and what it looked like for you. So this year was definitely different from how things were last year being in person, but kind of how we did things was they sent us a, a uh, song with the music sheets and then they sent us a pre-recorded video of our director conducting the songs so that everyone would be on and singing at the exact same time. 
from there, we had to record ourselves at our homes, basically, singing. And the song was uh, Invisible. And so then we would send that in, and then they constructed a combination of all of the chorus members that participated, and then they uploaded it to their website. So, Seth, thankfully for you, you have had the opportunity to be in the chorus before. Talk about your experience um, the last time and how it transitioned to this year. Yeah, for sure. So, last year, I was a member of the choir, and that was my first year of being in it. And I would have to say it's probably one of the best experiences I've ever had. I was with a group of similarly-minded people. I mean, we're all in the FFA. And flew down to Indianapolis, met up with a bunch of crazy strangers that all like to sing. And I think that I've probably found some lifelong friends out of that group. We practiced for probably about 10 hours a day for the first two days. And then we would just travel around Indianapolis. We sang at a mall one time we sang uh just kind of in some open air gatherings and then uh of course at the actual convention where we were able to sing in front of 70,000 plus people which I don't know anyone else who can say that they've done that and I don't think that I will ever have the opportunity to do that again so I'm very thankful that I was able to Absolutely. Seth, I think when people think of FFA, their first thought is probably not the band in the chorus. But what do you take from that experience? Honestly, I would say that connections are the biggest thing. I mean, in any area, any industry that you are a part of, the biggest thing and the way to kind of scale yourself and just grow as a person is to make those connections, those friendships. And so to be able to go down there and make friends with people who are in SA, they are involved in agriculture in their daily lives. Many of them live on farms or ranches. And then to come back to Nebraska and just have a whole new view of the United States, because it's not like it's kids just from the Midwest. I mean, I now have friends from Alaska. I know a kid from Puerto Rico. And so just making those connections and those friendships, I mean, that'll just push you forward in any profession that you're a part of. So, Seth, you are very active in your local chapter. So when you come back home to Nebraska, what are some things that you're involved with in your uh, local chapter? So I'm the vice president of the Gothenburg FA here this year. And we're going to have a food drive. We have our annual fruit sales, which will be completely online this year. And some of our community activities are limited this year just because we're not able to really go out and do things in the community as we used to be. And so by this time last year, I probably had about, oh, 50 to 100 community service hours with the FSA just for this year. And I probably have less than 20 this year. Wow, what a year it's been. Well, Seth, you are a senior at Gothenburg, uh, getting ready to take your next steps. What are your future plans? Well, I will be attending a four-year university. I am currently undecided, but I will be majoring in 
computer engineering and minoring in business wherever I do go. So you are a great example of an FFA member who is very active, um, has a lot of prestige in the FFA, but you're not going into something that is directly related to agriculture. What can you say about that perspective? So I really view it in two separate ways. I mean, you have the first perspective of, oh, he is a kid in a small town that likes to play with computers and technology. But the way that I like to view it is I'm able to use all of my skills and my experience to like better my chapter. And so especially this year with COVID, we're unable to have those mass gatherings. And so I'm able to use my technology skills to help my chapter. And so we are Zooming every single day. Uh, I'm putting together presentations, and I'm actually going to start on uh, differing our website that we have for our chapter. And so looking into the future, I don't necessarily see myself working directly for an agriculture company, but I definitely see myself staying involved, and maybe I will go and make some product or I'll design some software that will be able to benefit our farmers here in Nebraska and across the whole nation and maybe even the world. So that's kind of where I see tying that in. Absolutely. Well, Seth, we wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors, and thanks so much for being with us today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. That again is Seth Dopp. He is a senior and a member of the Gothenburg FFA chapter, as he had the opportunity to participate in the National FFA Chorus this year, even though the convention was held virtually. Broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Bureau. With Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks have been mixed on Wall Street amid worries about worsening coronavirus counts across the country. The S&P 500 was down slightly after climbing at least eight-tenths of a percent in six of the last eight days. The Dow Jones Industrial Average also moved lower while the Nasdaq rose. Many analysts along Wall Street are still optimistic the market can climb higher and set more records amid optimism a vaccine may be coming for COVID-19. But several risks remain that could trip up markets in the near term. The number of people seeking unemployment benefits fell last week to 709,000, the fourth straight drop and a sign that the job market is slowly healing. The figures coincide with a sharp resurgence in confirmed viral infections to an all-time high above 120,000 a day. Cases are rising in 49 states and deaths are increasing in 39. The nation has now recorded 240,000 virus-related deaths and 10.3 million confirmed infections. U.S. consumer prices were unchanged in October, the lowest reading in five months. It's an indication that the price spike seen this summer is beginning to fade as coronavirus cases start to increase. The Labor Department says the flat reading in October followed a gain of two-tenths of a percent in September. Core inflation, which excludes volatile food and energy costs, also showed no change in October, another indication that inflation remains well-behaved. Today, insurance and financial services giant Mutual of Omaha unveiled a new corporate logo featuring the image of a lion. Inspired by its heritage and customer-centric mission and values, the updated logo reflects the protection and strength of Mutual of Omaha 
has represented for more than a century. In July, Mutual announced the removal of Native American imagery from its corporate logo. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Broke. Like so many meetings, USMEF has also gone to a virtual experience this year. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. But for one Nebraska producer who chairs the Nebraska Corn Board, it is still the opportunity to talk about what's happening in USMEF and the ties it has back to the corn industry. David Bruns is on the U.S. Meat Export Federation Board as well. And we talked about the different aspects of this virtual event. We had a, uh, like we've been on these uh, conference Zoom meetings, uh, and we've uh, from what I can see, the, the attendance has been pretty good on them, uh, and uh, you know a lot of information being being uh, put out there to the people that are listening and to media that picks it up and continues to push it out to the the areas, uh, the people that are interested, the livestock sector and the grain sector about what's happening in the world. Uh, you know, our our uh, just talking from the the meat export side, those those things are up uh, for the year. And for September was a good month for exports, both in grain and in in protein and beef and pork. Uh, I believe uh, beef uh, pork was up in September about ten percent. Beef was off a little bit, but year to date is up about eight percent. And they're looking for pork to be up. Uh, about 16% year to date. So those are big numbers. Uh, a lot of product being exported uh, to to some new new markets. Uh, Africa. They're working hard to uh, get more products into Africa. Uh, a billion people in Africa. So uh, there's a, a good future there. Uh, as you know, and as you heard, Australia has uh, been suffering with a tremendous drought and, and fires on the eastern side of Australia, which is normally their wet area. So their beef production has, uh, has, has slowed down considerably due to that. They just don't have the grazing that they've had and, and don't have the feed sources that, to maintain the, the size of herd of livestock that they've had. So we've been able to regain some of that market share in uh, in China, uh, in Vietnam, Taiwan. Those countries are Taiwan's one of our up and coming markets. They've really grown. Uh, the people uh, enjoy the the quality of, of beef that comes from the U.S. market. Uh, they have a taste for grain fed uh, uh, beef which is different, uh, a little bit different from grass-fed, and they seem to really enjoy that. So they're buying a lot of product. Uh, uh, Costco is, uh, is 100% U.S. product in, those, in the Taiwan market, I believe. So that's a, that's a big market for us. What, is, what was your takeaway on the speaker we had uh, yesterday for the general session? New and... And challenging times as we look for, forward to change in administration. Uh, some of that is is settled. I think hopefully within the next month, all this kind of settles down and we can move forward. Uh, 
Those comments from Nebraska Corn Board Chair David Brunt, who is also in attendance, virtually like many of us, for the U.S. Meat Export Federation's strategic planning meeting. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. And John, we finally have hit some resistance here in these grain markets. Is this coming off really just a general lack of news as we get in? Harvest is basically done and U.S. is kind of a backstory now. Now it's all that focus on South America. Yeah, I mean, the foreign prices are expensive and that isn't changing. So I think that's kind of the backdrop we find ourselves under. Um, in my opinion, we're in a little bit of, a, of the eye of the storm here uh, when it comes to the election leadership changes. There's just, I mean, I've talked to probably 50 people over the last week about this, and from all different angles and different, uh, you know, backgrounds, and, and nobody has a clue. You know, I mean, we can all kind of guess one way or the other, but as far as like what, what it's going to look like in January and what the transition looks like, I mean. You know, when we know it. So there's, I'm expecting a volatile move one way or the other, you know, on the election. I'm not saying if, if Biden or Trump would win, it would go a certain direction. But uh, I think that's what everybody's kind of holding their breath for. And in the meantime, if China's not buying, there's pretty little incentive for the funds to stay long. So, you you know, you have delivery starting and some other things going on in the markets that, uh, you know, would soften price on the board. But uh, I think longer on here, it's a good chance to cover some feed demand if, if you're, you know, looking at maybe next spring, stuff like that. I just think this is, this is an opportunity. Yeah, as you were talking about, it's it's tough to judge which direction the market could currently go just with so many unknown factors continuing to be out there. Is this the time, is the volatility at a low enough point that it's the time when those put and call options can really be effective in this kind of market scenario? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, if, if it's high enough, you can do it. You know, I look at like a market like feeder cattle, not to jump out of the grains, but that market's been volatile enough here where, I mean, you can you can afford some some options through November, um, but honestly, if you're gonna if you're gonna own grain, don't don't get too close to the money. Don't waste a lot of money on them. Just have something out there that so that you don't panic. We fall to 380 quickly. Um, that certainly can happen. Um, you know, it's a news driven market, and yet even though demand is good, it's still it's still tough. Again, we're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. You can learn more about that newsletter This Week in Grain, which John sends out as a daily email. You can find out more at danielsagmarketing.com. Again, danielsagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. And again, past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. As we see across the board, though, corn is going to close 1% to 2% lower on the day. Soybeans going to close a half to three quarters of a percent lower and in that wheat trade one and a half percent nearly to two percent lower in that front month december kansas city wheat contract you can get sean payne again as a podcast at ruralradio.com thank you very much clay that'll wrap up this thursday edition of midday if you missed anything you can listen to our midday podcast sponsored by devaney motors that can be found at krvn.com or on itunes